When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Oh, there you go, Tom Jones, the green, green grass of home, but it's two minutes after one. Congratulations to the All Blacks getting up and beating Wales 55 points to 23 for the next hour and a half. Myself, former All Black Ian Jones, in studio, assessing, reflecting and asking for your thoughts on 0800 150 811 as we celebrate a very good All Blacks victory. Equally too, we'll also celebrate the victory of the Black Ferns getting up over France and reaching the Women's World Cup final. 0800 150 811 is the number. You can text us here on 8833. I've got to say, didn't see that result coming, didn't pick that result, and I'm probably not the only one. And I think... I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't think that's been about negative. I just think that under Ian Foster, this team's been very much hit and miss and that performance last week against Japan wasn't good enough. And, I, and I've got to say, I felt that probably first time since 1953, I, I felt Wales had a genuine chance of beating this all-black team, but it wasn't to be the case. In fact, arguably the best all-black performance of the year. Perhaps a change in tactics and the way they played it tended to be a little bit more direct, tended to play it a little bit more through the forwards. And it's an old cliche, and I'll get the thoughts of Ian in one moment. You've got to earn the right to go wide. I remember saying this about a year ago when we lost to France, uh, in France, on the end of the year tour. But I actually felt the best 10 minutes the All Blacks played was the first 10 minutes in the second half of that game when we were direct, when we just played up the middle, when we went back to basics. And so have we seen a shift in the way the All Blacks plan on playing things going forward rather than just this helter-skelter, left-right, left-right, run teams into the ground, set up the little pods and then just continue to play this very expansive game which I think teams have cottoned onto and we have been shut down. And probably you haven't seen a lot of evolution in the way the All Blacks have been playing. Um, I'll even go since we won the World Cup back in 2015 and that's been always the big question over... Ian Foster, where is the evolution in the all-black game? What is the next step? Where are we taking it to? Did we see that yesterday, last night, early this morning? How did you see it? 0800 150 Artie Sevier is the best rugby player in the world. He has been all year. Uh, will he end up getting IRB player of the year? Probably not because the all-blacks have been subpar. But even in a subpar all-black team this year, Artie Sevier is magnificent the best rugby player in the world. And boy, I tell you what, he is one guy you do want to wrap in cotton wool. 0800 150 811 is the number. Ian Jones, good afternoon. Welcome. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, Wada. Good afternoon, uh, listeners as well. Nice to be able to talk some code for the next year and a half. Congratulations to all the New Zealand teams who performed well over the week. New Zealand 15s, the Black Ferns, of course. The All Blacks who we're going to chat about at the moment, and that was an old school victory and, and a ground, uh, fond memories of that ground, Principality Stadium now. It was in a former life, 
Cardiff Arms Park. It's been revamped and changed around a little bit since those days, but uh, made my All Black debut uh, back on Cardiff Arms Park against the Cardiff Rugby Club. So Cardiff, uh, Wales, uh, very much holds a fond memory in, in my heart. And I did see that coming. I absolutely saw that coming because we should have, and it may be arrogance, Watto, but we should have a mentality uh, that we go on and, and, and absolutely stamp our mark and think if we put a performance together that we can dominate these Northern Hemisphere sides. And that's what we did. We had an arrogance about ourselves. We had an attitude about ourselves. We had a directness about our play that this is all black rugby. We're going to set the tone. We're going to set the pattern of the, of the match and we will win and we put 50 points on them. I was stoked. Yeah, but we haven't seen that all year and I guess that's my point. A lot of us have been uh, concerned. Um, what you've just said and the way you summarised that, that's what we do expect from all black teams. But I guess in the last 18 months or so, certainly as a member of the public, as a rugby fan, uh, there's been a feeling that we have moved away from that and somehow we've lost that belief. But great to have it come back. And I just now wonder whether we are now starting to see the influence of the likes of Jason Ryan. We are starting to now see the influence of Joe Schmidt on this team. And clearly the criticism and the pressure that Ian Foster's been put under, this team has come to collectively together. And so they should, because one thing, and I think he needs to be congratulated for this, even though at times he's been criticised for it, he's stuck with his core group of players. Yeah, let's start with Jason Ryan. And absolutely, in our, our key games that we've done this year, Ellis Park uh, clearly uh, is, stands out. But what we can talk about this game in Cardiff as well, we now have a tight five that we can rely on. We have a tight five with the Groot in particular, who brings a little bit of mongrel uh, to that loose head side, which we absolutely need. We have that directness of Scott Barrett, who is brilliant uh, in this game on the weekend. Complimented, of course, as always, by Sammy Whitelock, who just controls this game. He has such a clear head on him as a skipper. Uh, wonderful the way, directness, the way he kind of keeps rallying the troops. But Scott Barrett was brilliant. So when we have a tight five who, who can play, can perform, and we can rely on, everyone else can play. I mean, all you, you talk about Adi Savir. Yep, Adi Savir is brilliant. Better when he has a tight five who can dominate. Moanga, better when he has a tight five. Dominate. Every, everything and everything I'll be talking about in the next hour and a half, Watto, will go back to are the tight five dominating? Are the tight five setting a platform? Have we now got a tight five through Jason Ryan, but through better selection as well, who we can rely on? And the answer is yes. Yes, but have we now shifted the focus and made that tight five the focal point of our game? Where I think in the past, perhaps we've neglected that. Perhaps we haven't earned that right. Perhaps we haven't won that battle up front. And therefore, it's been a little bit helter-skelter. What I saw was a forward pack who were prepared to be direct, who were, you know, throw a blanket over them, keep it tight, take the fight to them. You know, don't just go into the gym and push against weights that don't push back. Well, clearly, I know we were there, and I would love to have known a little bit more about detail about what was the weather like outside. Why was it so dewy inside? Clearly, the roof's closed. For those that haven't been to the Principality Stadium, and I know it's a lot of money to get yourself over to Cardiff, and, and, and maybe it should be on the bucket list, but if you can go to any rugby test match, well, maybe one at Ellis Park might rival us as well, but a Wales All Black test match in Cardiff is one you're really absolutely trying to get to if you can. Why the conditions were so tough? Why did that influence the way that we played? Because I don't know if we went into this game thinking that we had to go direct the one-off runners and the pick-and-drive game that we saw in the weekend. But what that said to the other international sides, Watto, 
They know about our counterattack. They know about our transitional speed. But what they're now seeing uh, from from this game against the Welsh is once more we have a tight forward, a, a forward pack who can absolutely muscle up, absolutely do the hard metres, and absolutely earn the right to go wide. Okay, so if that wasn't maybe the deliberate ploy, or that perhaps wasn't the pre-game intent and conditions forced us to go tight. Have we now found the formula by default? Is this the template going forward? And I've just got a text that come in, and I sort of agree with it. The plan to wear teams out doesn't work anymore. The game is too stop-start, too much rest. Basically saying, this helter-skelter stuff, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And, and, and well, I guess it's all about balance, isn't it? And, and maybe through default, yeah, possibly we can... We've always known... Uh, that you have to go tight through the middle, you know, go through those little channels, sucking in those numbers. Because when you go tight through the middle, what we saw our great All Black teams, but by this great All Black performance, when you go through the middle, what you do is start sucking in numbers. When you start sucking in numbers, creates pe- people fold in, right? So that creates some space on the outside. Then it's getting that balance right between when should Aaron Smith. Uh, pass it. When should he have a little dart? And it was wonderful to see Aaron Smith actually having a dart, but once more on the basis of his type 5 doing the work. Um, but we do have, through Jason Ryan, and man, he hasn't been in that chair that long, no, yep. we do have uh, a forward pack under Jason Ryan that knows how to get that balance. Yeah, but that's it, and I think where the criticism maybe for Ian Foster, and I'll even say Steve Hansen towards the end of his career, was we didn't always earn the right to go wide. What you're saying is doing what we're doing, we're earning the right to go wide. It's logical then to go wide. Yeah, and I think Sam Whitelock may have a big influence on that as well. Wonderful to see, and look, I don't want to criticise Sam Kane for the skipper. He wasn't there, so he didn't have an influence. We know how highly respected he is within that camp. But with Sam Whitelock knows how to win at this level. He knows how to win at super rugby level. He knows how he needs to dominate the other forward pack, dominate position, set the tone of the match to win big games. And I'm really, really stoked, I've got to say, for Sam Whitelock skipping this all black side. Is he a better player now with the captaincy? No, I don't think he's a better player because consistently he's been brilliant all the way through, but he's such a wonderful leader yeah, yeah, because but, he's but, so but, calm. But I think there was a point there where, you know, I think any player, once they start getting above 100 tests, you sort of start to go, oh, are they just getting past their use-by date? And I think there was a period where perhaps we were starting to think, oh, yeah, looking like he's lost his legs. But then since being given the captaincy, being since sharing that, he almost seems to have reinvented himself. He seems to be, like if I look at Sam Whitelock this year versus Sam Whitelock last year, I think they're two different players. No, I disagree. I mean, I absolutely disagree. I think Sam Whitelock makes other players around him a lot better because Sam Whitelock absolutely knows his role and how to complement the partner he's with, whether that's Brodie Retallick or whether that's Scotty Barrett. Scotty Barrett was brilliant. Uh, last night, because Scotty Barrett's work rate and a little bit wider over the channels complements what Sam Whitelock can do. Sam Whitelock, close to the action, understands what's happening. A lot of great communication with the players around him and the referee. Sam Whitelock is a calm, influencing head that actually makes other people play better. We are reflecting back on a very, very good win from the All Blacks. 55 points to 23 over Wales. Ian Jones, former Black in studio. Love to have your thoughts. Always think that talk back is a better experience when you do jump on the phone. And just remember, when the All Blacks lost, this place lit up like a Christmas tree. And I get it. I get it. I understand the way humanity is programmed. Man's defeats are on the front page of the papers. Man's victories are on the back. But I think it's only fair that we also jump on the phone when the All Blacks play well and celebrate that performance. I think that is only fair. So please, love to hear from those who, when we lost to Argentina, jumped on the phone 
and we're more than happy to have their say. I'm sitting here. I've been one of those guys. Um, sometimes you've just got to say, hey, well done, guys. Well done. 0800 150 Carmo. Yeah, before we get too much into the game, too, what I just want to paint the picture for people out there that haven't had the, the privilege of going to the Principality or the Millennium or the Cardiff Arms Park. Cardiff is a rugby city. This, The Arms Park is right smack in the middle of Cardiff. Literally, it's a five-minutes walk from the main mall. The Cardiff uh, castle is right there. 74,000 people pack in to Millennium Stadium. As a player, you get there an hour and ten before kickoff, and literally the grandstands are empty. There's no atmosphere to this big mammoth ground whatsoever because everyone is in the pubs and the restaurants and the cafes and the clubs literally within five to six minutes walking distance uh, of the stadium. You go into the sheds, you come out kind of 40-odd minutes later to do your final preparation, your final uh, warm-up, and the sea of red. It is just it is an atmosphere like I cannot describe, like it is out of this world uh, experience playing there. Then you go back into the sheds, put your boots on, come out for the anthems. They bring out the goat, they bring out the choirs, they bring out every, you know, and Tom they can Jones. All sing, can't they? And they absolutely, they do literally lift the roof. Yeah, it is, it is. It is out of this worldly, as I mentioned before. Uh, I remember Craig Innes, I think played his All Black debut, nineteen eighty nine, maybe uh, at Cardiff, and um, he just said, "What a place to make your debut! What an atmosphere!" Just, just even just trying to control your emotions, the emotions of making your debut as an All Black, but mm. the emotions of just the atmosphere, the stadium, and then during the game itself, literally the sideline to the the first row. Of, of the grandstand is literally about six or seven metres away. So you're eyeballing these Welsh fans who are in their red and their daffodils and in their whatever they've got, and they are absolutely eyeballing you face-to-face. And it's an, an incredible atmosphere to play and really tough in terms of uh, how vocal it is. So you've got to be really clear in your communication. But, man, I tell you what, what an absolute buzz on and a privilege it is to play for the All Blacks against the Welsh at the Arms Park. 20 minutes after 1, 0800 150 We will come back. More plenty of analysis. If you've got questions, uh, you just want to make a comment, your thoughts on that all-black performance last night. After 2 o'clock, we will touch too on the Black Ferns getting up over France, reaching a Women's World Cup final. It'll re- be a repeat um, of five years ago. Was it five years with COVID? I think it might be five years ago uh, when they played England in Ireland. So... It was Belfast that final, I think, five years ago. So we'll talk on that after two o'clock. But 0800 150 is the number. You are listening to SENZ, Mark Watson, alongside of me, a man who played 79 tests for the All Blacks, the great Ian Jones. We are taking your calls on 0800 150 We celebrate the All Blacks beating Wales 55 points to 23. Ken has just sent a good text in. Guys, Artie was brilliant, as we expect. And Papa Lee, he was great at seven. Don't agree about Jack Goodyear coming back at centre. Think we all know after um, last year, Rico will stay there. That comes from Ken. Yeah, look, I, I think sometimes in the position of centre, we're too busy caught up on speed and too busy caught up sometimes on the flash. I think sometimes, you know, I'm not sure that, that was necessarily the standout qualities of Ben Smith. Uh, uh, sorry, of a... Um, um, <sighs> Oh, Conrad Smith. Conrad Smith. Yeah, well, I, I personally got, got to say I don't um, see Jack Goodyear at centre. I see him at thir- 12, uh, more than 13. Absolutely, his directness of play, his communication defensively, I think, is very good. He's, you know, clearly if he plays alongside Richie Mawanga, their, their confidence in each other, their communication with each other is very good. So 
I'd see him personally. Um, I like Leonard Brown at, at 13. Uh, it's that 12 13 combination. You've got David Havili there, clearly. Um, that can play 12. You've got Rico at the moment. What an athlete he is, but I think he's outstanding when he moves to the wing. I just think Best winger in the world. Best winger in the world. And we're playing him out of position. Yeah. Um, And I've got to say personally, and I've said this for the last 10 odd years, I am a a Bowden Barrett fan at 15. I've never truly believed um, he's been the best 10. Yeah. We never have. The reason why I like him at 15 is that he can inject himself into the game so he can float around a little bit. He can come up and, and be a first receiver when he needs to be a first receiver. And we saw that wonderful uh, direction of play in Geordie Barrett's try, second try, I think it was, when um, when Bodie was standing on the right-hand side, sensed an opportunity, moved to the left, took the ball, drew and passed, bang, Geordie's over. So being at 15, he has that option to do that. I just think he's more involvement in the game at 15. Okay, so what, what then... In terms of fullback, then what's the difference in your opinion between Geordie Barrett at fifteen and Bowden Barrett at fifteen? Well, I guess the the main difference is, is the ability to defuse bombs. So when we're playing England, potentially, definitely when we're playing the South Africans, uh, just the the the, the the kicking game that they will just throw at the All Blacks to have someone six foot four standing at the back, the ability to defuse those high, high balls, I think is better. Um, but man, they use Geordie Barrett so well. Clearly, he was you know bringing it up at twelve, but on attack, he also moved to the wing, didn't he? When he got that try, so the ability to be able to move positions, they exploited that that height overlap for that beautiful try, his first try. So he moved around quite a bit. I think so. That's that, that interplay, changing where, and but, then. But defend- you're Bowden Barrett starting fifteen. Oh, a hundred percent. Bowden Barrett has to start uh, somewhere. Oh, eight hundred one five oh eight double one on that one. Now, it's a good point. So, Carmo's thoughts here: two very good players in Bowden Barrett and Geordie Barrett. Carmo prefers Bowden Barrett at fullback. Thinks that's his position. Thinks that's where. He should be cemented in this all-black team. Your thoughts on that? 0800-150-811. Yeah, and Geordie at 12. I mean, Geordie at 12 is a weapon, an absolute weapon. Man, the guy's six at four. what is he, 108, 109 kgs, um, gets over the gain line. Once we get over the gain line, Wallo, and we analyse the game, then, then we can play. If you can't, from club rugby to all-black rugby, if you can't dominate the gain line, if you can't get go-forward ball, if you can't push... The opposition back, taking one or two steps. The game of rugby is hard. We don't want to make it hard. We want to be able to dominate the game line, dominate the game. So I'm taking this then that we go Mawanga at first five. You think Geordie Barrett at second five. I'm going to suggest Anton Leonard-Brown at centre. Correct. Rico Wani on one wing. Yep. Who's on the other wing? Well, Will Jordan if he's fit and available. Yep. And then what, bringing a guy like possibly who comes off the bench? Harvey well, Sebu Reese. You got. I mean, Sebu Reese is a danger Young man. Clark. But Caleb Clark. I don't know. If, well, Caleb Clark could be an impact player, but I mean, once more, the, the All Blacks didn't they? They dominated the last twenty minutes of this game. There's no question about that. I mean, they, they allowed Wales back into the game, like they allowed Japan back into the game the week before, but they kicked on on this week. The subs came in, kicked on, and and put the game to bed easily with twenty minutes to go. Scotland next week haven't been in great form. 
beat, uh, beat Fiji 28-14, lost to Australia last week. We play them next week, but we've got England in two weeks' time. That's the test we everyone wants to see this all-black team win. Taki Aho, do we start him against England, or do you continue going with Cody Taylor? I personally would, would continue going with Cody Taylor because uh, two reasons for that. Taki Aho, we know what he can do. Absolutely, he's a weapon. He can, he can drive... Uh, but he can also get a little bit greedy with the ball. I don't know if he's our best starting uh, player. The impact that he brings off the bench, no question about that. I mean, I was over in Melbourne, and I know he scored a couple of great tries in Melbourne and, and did some awesome things for the for the camera, right? But, man, when you were actually watching the game where I was live, he did a lot of things that you would think, mate, the guy's got to pick up his work rate and do more the tight stuff. Okay, because that's what we're looking at. We're not looking at the the stuff that we actually see scoring the tries on TV. We're looking how at the hard, dark arts. How hard is this guy working the whole time he's out there? Cody Taylor does that, man. Cody Taylor works hard. He 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 he's tight, getting over the ball, protecting, sealing, picking up those two or three meters that we need. And Summer's only coming on. Uh, what he can do, the explosive power to see close out a game. And once more, we get back to closing out games, which we couldn't do in Japan really, got there in the end, closed out this game. The impact of the bench, these players coming off made a huge difference. Yeah. There's a reason why I personally would go for Cody Taylor to start the match against the English and Thomas only to finish off the game against the English. Eight-day turnaround leading into Scotland. So going to be pretty well rested. Six-day turnaround, Scotland to England. So squad selection and how we're absolutely firing at that Twickenham Test match is going to be pretty important. But we, don't want to lose, we don't want to lose to Scotland, mate, we're though. we're not going to lose to Scotland. Well, they said that about Japan, though, Kamu. They said that about Japan. Japan. I know we didn't, but come on, mate. We might as well have lost to Japan. That was not a good enough performance no, from the All Blacks. Come on. But that's been put to bed. We're not going to lose to Scotland because Scotland will see us, that performance against the Welsh, they won't believe they can beat the All Blacks. If you can't believe you can beat the All Blacks, you're never going to beat the All Blacks. 28 minutes away from 2, 0800 150 is the number. A text that's come in. Hi guys, great games by the All Blacks and Black Ferns, both really entertaining matches to watch. For me though, the match of the weekend was the All Black 15 versus Ireland A. The way that we were able to create line breaks and cause havoc in the Irish defence was incredible. What are Carmo's thoughts on some of those guys like Damien McKenzie? And I think one of the guy who I think has been unfairly treated to a degree, Sean Stevenson, getting a game for the All Blacks in Europe, Andy. Yep, first things first, congratulations on the New Zealand 15. They did the All Black jersey, or the jersey they played in justice. Yep. And that was really important. Uh, going over there, for some of them, they may rejuvenate their careers. For some of them, it may be, am I good enough to play at the next level up? And for a guy like Sean Stevenson, proving to himself and proving to the selectors, this guy is actually ready for the next step up, if and when he's needed. And if and when he's needed is through some form slump from the guys above him, or an injury you only ever Wado, one injury, two injuries away from being in the All Black team once you're in that second uh, 15. So that was fantastic. And, and look, I, had, I know uh, the importance of a New Zealand 15 because once more going back to my own personal experience, I played New Zealand A in 1999, uh, been dropped from the All Blacks. It was a real great opportunity to, to prove to myself and to the All Black selector at the time, John Hart, that I was still playing at a level that I needed to be playing uh, to go to the World Cup in 99, which I did, a lot of these players will be in exactly the same situation. Um, so I think it's a great avenue for us to, to to keep developing our depth. I think it's a great avenue to show the selectors 
that these players are ready when needed. Campbell Burns will talk to us on the Women's Rugby World Cup. The Black Ferns into another Women's Rugby World Cup final. They will take on the English, a very hard-fought semi-final over a French team who have beaten them in their previous four encounters. Just shows what a good coach can do. Well done to Wayne Smith as well. Can they beat England? Well, England got a little bit of a scare against Canada. Both sides will go into this final match-hardened. Plenty of lessons taken from two very good semi-finals, Carmo. Yeah, I love them. Love both games. Love the energy. Love, I mean, well, what a venue Eden Park looked. So much joy, energy, noise, which was good. Uh, the girls are on a real roll. I guess for the Black Ferns themselves, and this is any elite rugby team, we've seen it countless times for the All Blacks, how they get themselves up emotionally. Right, they put so much emotional energy mm. into their performance last night. We saw that. They were on, the, on a knife edge in terms of their nerves. I know they've got great coaching staff and Ted Henry and, and, and Wayne Smith, of course, that'll bring them back down. Hopefully they're just chilling out t- today and start building Monday. But we know in sport it's about emotion, mm. right? And when you're rolling uh, and using up so much energy emotionally, it's well, friggin' hard to do it week in, week we've out. We've seen it with the Black Caps in cricket, haven't we, in World Cups. We've made the semi-finals. We've, we've had the street parades and then it's just history. all come undone. Yeah, Countless and, examples. And, and sometimes the only way you really gain that is those regular encounters and time in the sport. And that's one thing with the Black Ferns. They don't get a lot of regular competition. Yeah. And this tournament, to be a fair, up to the semi-finals, been a little bit soft. And we'll speak more with Burnsy after the break, which is great. But what I've also loved about uh, this Women's Rugby World Cup are the new fans we're bringing to the games. Mm. Uh, I've been, been around Eden Park. I've been in the city at All Blacks Experiences. New people who have never been to Eden Park, never followed out of rugby, absolutely loving our great game. So well done, ladies. Yes, I tell you what, edgier seat stuff, a wonderful advertisement for the women's game yesterday at Eden Park. France had beaten the Black Ferns on the previous four occasions, but somehow we found a way. Maybe there is just something about Eden Park and New Zealand rugby teams, whether it be the men or the women. The Black Ferns getting up and winning this one 25-24. Our next guest on the programme from Rugby News right across this is Campbell Burns. He joins us. Campbell, welcome. Very good afternoon to you, gents. I tell you what, um, a lot of this tournament's been a little bit one-sided, but if you want a test match feel, if you want to be edge on the seat, if you want your nerves to be frayed, that was the test match to watch last night. It certainly was, yeah. And um, and indeed, the the, uh, the first game was as well. Uh, that was a very tense semi-final, uh, and quite unexpectedly so. The England-Canada game, 26-19, England got up, but then that, that Black Ferns game was extraordinary, and it was just a shame there weren't more than 22,000 there, because there was a, I, I was in the press box, and there was a great atmosphere 
there. And, of course, there was uh, there was high drama right until the final minute. Yeah, Burnsy Karma here, mate. How are you doing, champ? I'm good, mate. Before we start getting into both of those games, they were extraordinary, both of them. Let's talk about, because I'm sure you were there at Eden Park, the atmosphere, the joy, the noise, uh, the occasion. Oh, look, it was, it was great. But it, yeah, as I say, it was, um, it was a shame there was only 22,000 there because that was, I think, 12,000 short of, of the opening night. So um, you would think on that basis they'd get uh, upwards of 30,000 next week uh, concerning what we've got the dream final. But look, it was, um, it was a good atmosphere from the start. It built with a smaller crowd, obviously, for the England-Canada game. Um, and the crowd was in full voice um, by the end there. And there was a lot of, uh, although the crowd did start a Mexican wave, I think at about the 60-minute mark, uh, which usually indicates uh, some level of boredom, um, that, that wasn't the case last night because uh, it was one of those classic ebb and flow games, um, which, which certainly kept uh, the, the people who were there very much uh, enraptured. Yeah, I have to say to sports fans out there, even if you live outside of Auckland, do please make an effort. These girls deserve to be supported. You will have a wonderful afternoon if you get to Eden Park next weekend. Uh, the families of the players just bring so much energy, but then everyone around them brings so much energy to the game. So tickets are cheap. Uh, get along with part of a, a World Cup final. I want to talk Black Ferns now, Burnsy. Defensively, haven't really been challenged a, a whole heap this tournament. And that was kind of an area of the game that they had to step up, and they did. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, when, when you look at it, I mean, it was, it was three tries apiece um, in the end there. But as you say, the Black Ferns hadn't been tested for 80 minutes all season. Uh, and although, although France didn't necessarily get their attacking game going a lot because there was some very heavy defence uh, coming from the Black Ferns, it was also like that uh, when when um, when uh, when France had the ball, but also when when the Black Ferns had the ball, we also saw a very some very very committed, consistent uh, defence, uh, which the, the the Black Ferns didn't always handle that well. I felt I, I felt tactically they didn't quite get their their kicking game right. Um, I felt they could have tried to create a bit more space for Portia Woodman out wide, um, and certainly some of their X Factor players. So they didn't do it tactically that well, the Black Ferns, but. I have to say their forward pack stood up. Um, and then you look at a dynamic young player like Maya Roos, who's only only 12 months into her test career and huge future for her. She is just dynamic. She made 12 tackles uh, and several others, uh, several other forwards like the hooker Georgia Ponsonby um, and also Sarah, uh, Sarah Hirony, uh, the reigning New Zealand Rugby Player of the Year, was outstanding, um, industrious. So it was, it was a funny night. It was a night for the forwards, even though... We've come to expect this Black Ferns to decide to use the ball a lot, but they really had to roll their sleeves up and try and win in a slightly different way this time. Yeah, let's talk about that physicality. So for me, and, and I didn't see a lot of their, their play last year, and, and to be honest, uh, in depth in the years previous to that, but I've jumped on the bandwagon like everyone else and absolutely proud of what these girls are doing. But it's been the physicality for me, I think, Burnsy, and, and I'd love you to expand on it as well, which has been the main difference and the big impact from 12 months ago. Yes, well, that's, yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly one of the key factors. Um, I think two or three weeks ago when they played Wales, they got exposed a bit at set-piece and in some of the physicality early. Uh, we know they can play the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the continuity game uh, well, in fact, in fact, probably better than anyone else in the world, but that was an area that they did need to, um, to, to to mark up and to improve. 
they certainly did that, but they've got they've got some very fit players. That this is the fittest backspin side I've seen in years. Um, but also the, the work that has been done on the Fords um, by Whitney Hanson and Mike Cron, uh, Mike Cron is clearly showing through because that that uh, physical battle had to be won. And although they got uh, probably outgunned a bit at the breakdown in the first half, you could just see they lifted the tempo, but they lifted lifted the physicality early in the second half and were able to reel off. 15 uh, unanswered points. So I think it would, they, they really had to get the bit between the teeth. They had they, they brought on their co-captain, Kennedy Simon, off the bench, who's a very abrasive physical player, although she hadn't had, had a lot of rugby lately. And that and that added to it. Uh, you saw Santo Taumata, the young prop, come on and just melt a couple of people in uh, in the tackle. Uh, well, she did get sinbinned, um, probably slightly unluckily. But, yeah, it was that was one of the big areas. But they're going to have to do it again next week too because England... England are even an even more efficient forward pack, so uh, there won't be much rest for the for the Black Ferns forwards. But they did stand up last night. Yeah, Campbell. Looking at that Canadian team performance, I mean, they almost got the job done. Almost caused one of the great upsets over England. What lessons can the Black Ferns and the Black Ferns coaching staff take from the way Canada approached England? Yeah, well, that was a funny one because England really. Um, I mean, they they did win some. Key turnovers, England, but they didn't really have much fluency in their in their backline, um, and and I think the Canadian forwards really ripped into them. Uh, so Sophie De Goody, the inspirational number eight and captain, uh, played so well, and she and she marshaled the troops, and they were just able to pressure England, and 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 they they changed angles, uh, working the blind side, that kind of thing. So there were areas there that Wayne Smith would have looked at uh, when he studies England closely and gone, hey, you know, th- these are, could be areas where the Black Ferns can taking one on. You know, we're not going to get in hope, hopefully to an arm wrestle with them and, um, and and don't concede penalties to try and force force line-outs from five metres out because we know they're going to line-out drive. Uh, so so Canada really came up with a good formula and they weren't quite good enough in the end to get across the line, but um, it was a, they certainly gave them a hell of a shake. So I think there's, there is confidence there so people can go, hey, well, the backfans might be underdogs next week, but they, there are a few chinks in this, in this English armour. Campbell, two areas for me uh, for the Black Ferns. I'll get you and get your thoughts ahead of next weekend's final. I don't think we played the territory game brilliantly last night. We were, we were beaten at the breakdown. We were conceding some penalties around that kind of halfway 10-metre line. And when you do that against the French, when you do that against the English, you then bring in the 5-10-metre line out into play. So that, that area really get you to expand. On the other area, I thought... Uh, we may have to improve on uh, for next Saturday is Kendra Cockshed's brilliant player, what she is, absolutely maybe sped the game up at times too quickly, um, running away from support where maybe the, the prudent thing to do in a final will be to slow it down, compose ourselves and build again. Yeah, that's right. Look, um, just to, uh, to, to go to your first point on the kicking game, the Black Ferns um, don't have a long kicking game. They don't have players who, who have, have huge boots, so they had to get a good short-kicking game going. But unfortunately, they, they didn't, although Kendra Coxedge did do a couple of nice chips over the top or into the into the box. But uh, Rilhay DeMont, who was playing so well with ball in hand in her passing game, is not a great kicker of the ball. She can kick pass quite well uh, to her wings occasionally, but she tried a couple of um, kicks uh, really um uh, in, injudicious kicks, uh, if I can say, that reminded me of Luke McAllister at times. Uh, 
um, you know, from only 30 metres out. So that really wasn't on in a World Cup semi. So they have to sort that out, and, and who's going to do their kicking? That's going to be the thing. So is it just 9-10? Because we know the back three, if they play Holmes again, Holmes doesn't have a huge kicking game either. So they they just seem that if they're going to kick it out, they, they have to do that, but they're not going to get long raking kicks in. We're not going to see too many 50-20s coming from this Blackfern side. So they have to... Yeah, they have to sort that, but I, I don't think they can depart too much from their overall game plan. They've still got to play with tempo. Um, I agree that Coxedge maybe just needs to temper things occasionally with how she um, how she operates, but she did... Well, sometimes when she does lift the tempo, it's great. If they're all on the same page, you can really get a, a roll on. Um, but and, and, and she does dictate the tempo. We saw that against uh, against Wales um, in the in the quarterfinal, how she lifted things there. So there's, they do perhaps have a bit of think about that, and I know Wayne Smith at the press conference last night did identify that as one area, uh, that the kicking game in particular is one they'll have to sort for England because England will kick better than, than we do, so we have to be smarter. So how do we win it uh, against the English? You've watched the English progress over the last few years. Burnsy, you cover it brilliantly uh, in your rugby news. How do the Black Ferns and what do they need to do uh, to beat the English? Well, they still have to play the same way, but they've just got to be, be more accurate and, and better at how they do it. They tried to get the offloading game going against France, but their defence was uh, was too tight there. So they, they're going to have to change things up, change the angle, maybe change their, their alignment in the back slightly. They, they have to pass better. They have to really just cut things down because we know England's defence is going to be right up uh, in their face. I think that there, there won't be any complacency in the English camp, uh, despite having 30 wins on the trot now. So they've uh, they have to they've got to be accurate in all they, all they do, and that's going to be tough because um, as we've seen, there's a big risk and reward factor with the way this Blackferns um, side plays, and Wayne Smith acknowledges that. But it's the only way they can really counter them. So they need to somehow find a bit of space for Porsche for Ruby Tui out wide, um, and that's going to come back to the Fords um, laying a decent platform and being as physical or more so than than England. Um, and, and I think that the Fords will be buoyed by that, that performance last night because there was a lot asked of them, and they, and they largely delivered, particularly in the, in the physicality stakes. Um, so England, you could say they're a bit um, one-paced maybe, but they, they also have, uh, have players out wide, the likes of Abby Dow, who probably scored the try of the tournament uh, yesterday, uh, very swift wing, um, and, and they've got some good players in their backs. Emily Scarrett is a class performer, very seasoned, um, so it's not just a matter of saying taking on on the forwards and we've got them in the backs. Um, so they're going to have to <clears throat> they're going to have to really get at least a parity of possession and then um, mix things up, change of angle, and just keep coming at England. Burnsy, when you were speaking then and me watching the game last night, you talked about the, the passing game, the offloading game. It just reminded me watching the game last night in the first maybe 40 minutes, maybe 50 minutes of the game before Crystal Murray, the big Northern prop, came on, we were, at times, to me anyway, we were catching and passing, which is fine, the offloading game, but we weren't getting over the game line, so the French were coming up and smacking us, turning the ball over, no momentum. What I thought Murray did really well, once more the passing game, but she was running to the opposition. By running to the opposition, you're getting game line, you're bringing in... Uh, the defenders, and then she offloaded, and that then gave us another two or three metres. So I don't know if Crystal Murray is going to start uh, the game, but that to me was a, a clear indication um, of 
of getting front football, getting momentum? How do we get gain line by running first before you pass rather than standing before you pass? So thanks for reminding me of that because when I was watching the game and I was involved, I was absolutely committed to that game last night. You know when you're watching game, oh, I you can see how knot, animated you are in the studio right now. Come stomach. I was absolutely invested in what these mm. girls are doing. I was so proud of what they were doing. Uh, they do deserve our support. They are doing yeah. that black jersey justice. And, man, I just want them to keep the momentum going. Uh, Campbell, just before we do let you go, rugby news, latest issue out? Yeah, mate, we've got our latest our November issue out is, uh, is out next Thursday. Um, so we're not doing a full review of the World Cup because it's still, still going on, but we've got plenty in there from uh, grassroots, uh, heaps of black ferns, all black stuff, and Heartland Championship and NPC. So... Uh, it's all in there on sale uh, next Thursday, Rugby News. Campbell Burns, as always, thank you for your time this afternoon on the programme. Awesome, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Burnsy. I actually wrote a column every bi-monthly, I think it is, for Rugby News. But this week, or this edition coming out, I talk about the stadiums that the All Blacks are playing. Clearly just talked about Cardiff before. Murrayfield. 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 I mean, a lot of I, a lot, a lot of New Zealanders have an affiliation, a connection with Scotland, right? So we say love what the Scots doing, but it's an you know, afternoon game, three o'clock. It is pitch black. It's a little bit out of town. It's about a forty-minute drive from from Edinburgh to Murrayfield. Nothing around there, right? Like literally nothing around. And you go in there, but the ground fully enclosed. There's a bagpiper, flower up, of Scotland, up on the roof. They turn the lights out. You walk around this this big this running track, so quite a long walk, really small changing rooms inside Murrayfield. Like, they are tiny, uh, like as in the, the reserves can't sit in the changing rooms. But anyway, you walk out the tunnel, not a very long walk, but then you've got to walk across the running track. Flower of Scotland's been playing the bagpipes. The lights go out. It is an amazing atmosphere. And then pitch black, and then the All Blacks will go and do what they do. But then you go the following week down to Twickenham, Twickenham, you know, once more it's out of town, but you go through all the bars and the clubs, which is just packed of All Black and New Zealand supporters. You drive through the first gates of Twickenham, down through all the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys. They're having these beautiful afternoon, you know, uh, boot parties, they call them. And you can't drive in to Twickenham. Uh, these big, beautiful golden gates kind of outside, which is the bus stops and they open the gates. They form this little tunnel. It's about a 60, 70 metre walk, just literally through the crowd, into into the sheds at Twickenham and then yeah, well the All Blacks will be on the right hand side. England will have their home sheds on the left hand side. You walk out, not a very long t- uh, tunnel once more, but then you're into this atmosphere mm. like none other. Yeah, and, and it's great. And you're romanticising it, and mate, and people love that nostalgia. And people think of roast dinners on a Sunday, watching Scotland or Wales back in the day. And as you said, misty and slightly gloomy, and there's something romantic about it. And here we are in New Zealand, and Eden Park's always a big discussion and big debate whether we should have a waterfront and whether Eden Park's just literally a cemetery with chips but I would imagine that the foreign players talk about Eden Park with the same amount of passion as enthusiasm as what you are talking about Murrayfield what you are talking about um, the likes of Carter Farms Park Well the French players, the great French players from the the late 80s, early 90s have put a clothing label haven't they, Eden Park They have, and it's big in France Uh, Eden Park, Eden Park rightly or wrongly, is the home of New Zealand rugby. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.